Hey, this is Peter. I'm just uh, just recording a little quick thing before uh, the episode um, to let you know that when you listen, uh, that we had a little bit of a uh, connection issue for the non-interview portion of the show. So the part where it's just me and Jay, um, there's there's a little bit of clipping going on. Um, it's it's not terrible, but we just want to make sure that you knew that number one that we're aware of it. Uh, we know what the problem is, uh, and we were able to fix it for the interview portion, which definitely sounds better. So, anyway, we just want to let you know that uh, we're aware of it, and uh, it'll be it'll be better next time. Like I said, you can still hear; it's not terrible, but um, we didn't want you to think that uh, you know we didn't know <laughs> that there was an issue there. Anyway, hope you enjoy the show. For sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200 foot podcast. I'm Peter. And it is I, Jay. I. I'm I'm feeling rather regal today, Peter. Do you know why? Um, I I don't, but I, I'm really glad that you're not just playing that hockey game and not paying attention to me. Uh, although I do have to say that uh, since the, over the last two weeks, I have been playing that <laughs> hockey game, and outside of it taking me approximately thirty to thirty-five times to score a goal the first time I I had to learn how to do it, and then I f- kind of figured out how to get a lot better at that part. I will say I I have been enjoying it. I'm I'm very glad. See, it's funny you think that I'm no longer paying attention. It's been two weeks. My playing style has evolved. I'm playing as we speak. I, oh, I, I, I've, okay. I've, I, I'm now at a neo level of uh, of multitasking. So, hmm. um, but uh, yeah, it it is fun. Uh, I, I it took me a while to figure out the goal scoring aspect too. Uh, yeah. Once once you figure out that. Um, because my problem was is I, I approached the, the shooting part kind of like the way I do in NHL 19, where if I'm just quick back and forth, it'll make the goalie completely like brain fart itself, and then he'll just open a slot. Not the case. These goalies do not bite for those quick dekes. You basically have to do like these swooping left and right motions to kind of make the goalie bite. And then if you get close enough, he'll go down on the butterfly, and then you can just kind of switch to your offhand or your backhand and just pot it on the open side. But even then, it's still you know kind of tough you know, with your breakaways and there are some shots where you're just like 50 feet from the net and it just says like, here, score on me. It's like, I can't, how am I supposed to get this guy to deke left to right? How am I supposed to get him to bite? It's, it's tough, but well, I'm glad, I'm glad part of your life is now gone too. Cause now, now we're, now we're both, uh, in the same boat, but, um, well, uh, it, it has been an eventful two weeks, Peter, right? Teams have been on the move literally. Uh, yeah. So um, I, I, I wanted us to start off by talking about our golden boy, our, our – see, you can't call him the golden Brett and you can't call him the golden Jet. So uh, I, think, I think your nickname is probably the, still the one that sticks the best. I, mm-hmm. It's not that I'm actively su- searching for something else. Maybe I just think it doesn't roll off the tongue as easily. But we are, of course, talking about Mr. Line A to the danger zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the NHL – had another uh, edition of their global series, and it was in Finland, the uh, home country for Patrick Laine and a slew of others. Um, he got a hat trick, which really bodes well 
for our uh, our, our preseason prediction of him, uh, you know, taking the old, the old Rocket Richard, Joby. So, um, Pete, what are, do you like these Global Series? Because I have to be honest, I totally forgot they were happening. <laughs> I, I'd like to consider myself a fairly in in tune and an informed NHL fan, but um, when I get an update at, like, one in the afternoon saying, like, Jets and Panthers, you know, here's the puck drop. I, I kind of do one of those, uh, oh, what's the word? Like, like that whole question thing that people like. Yeah. Do. So, um, do you think that these are, 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 are helping? <laughs> it's like, oh, great. I got to get out my totem again and spin it and see what happens. Um, oh, it wobbled a little bit, but then it kept going. And then I, I had to stop watching. So I don't know what's going to, what's going to happen. So, yeah, I think. I think it's at least interesting. Obviously, the NHL has tried many different things over the years to to market their uh, market their their game to a broader audience. Some of them have been successful. Some of them have been not so successful. Um, for example, I'm sure we all remember the glow puck, which uh, <laughs> I, I I do have to say because for hockey purists. Obviously, that was something that was people didn't really, you know, people didn't yeah. really like that. They were like, "Oh man, uh, this is crazy." However, I do know some people that were starting to watch hockey at the time, and they did find it very helpful. Um, so, I think maybe if we could kind of move towards um, a uh, like a, a world which I'm, I'm sure is is probably not that far off, where you could have alternate choices so if you wanted to have a little dot on the puck to help you track it like you can turn that off like a feature yeah um, and, and i think that like if, if it were able to be presented in that way i think that that would be really good now i i know obviously i'm, I'm a little bit far afield right now from uh, the original question so I, I i i do think that the global series idea is interesting um Especially compared to some of the other things that they've tried, I think it's it's certainly not worse. I think it's it's at least a good idea. Um, I I just saw an article um, that came out two days ago where they said um, it was Brian Compton uh, NHL dot com, and uh, the headline is that it is, the Global Series is expected to return to Europe next season. Uh, they have Germany, Switzerland, Prague, Stockholm among sites of proposed games. So. I think we're probably going to see it happen again. I would imagine, uh, you know, since they're planning on it, I would imagine that the ratings were probably pretty good. They probably feel like they got they got things worth out of it. Obviously, I don't know exactly what the the net gain was. Uh, you know, they don't tell you everything right. that we would need to know. But I mean, I, I, I doubt that they would want to do it again if it was a disaster. So <laughs> true, I, yeah, yeah, very, very true. I, I I do think it's cool because. You have a, a, a play, you know player like Patrick Line get to play in front of you know play in his home country, uh, but it, you know it, uh, he's he's one of their best exports in quite some time, and he gets to go home and perform in front of his home home people, and and I I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, you you raise a cool point about it because of how much. Uh attraction the NHL has despite all of its just goofy and insane glory and um you know reading more about its history recently in the down goes brown history of the NHL available now 
there is uh, there's a lot to be said for just how much the game has grown on on, on the international front to to because don't be wrong, like all the other leagues, like KHL, the Superliga, like th- those are cool leagues. Those are good leagues. A lot of people play in them and live full, enriching hockey lives. But obviously, you know, to win the most coveted trophy in all of sport, you know, you obviously got to make the bigs. And there's an inherent coolness. Like, let's say I was from, you know, from from Ireland, like from and out all the way to. I, I think, yeah, personally, and at least for for other people who maybe want to live that dream, I think it's important to hold an event like this and 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 get there. It's just sometimes I I I, I worry about the marketing scheme, about how how it's being pushed, and you know, uh, it's a couple couple of modifiers here. I don't watch a lot of commercial television, so who knows? Maybe between you know episodes of whatever the latest NBC series are, there's the along with the commercial for Wednesday Night Hockey, uh, RIP Wednesday Night Rivalry, RIP in Peace. Um, you know, maybe they were showing commercials for, you know, hey, Jets, Panthers, across the planet. Like, <laughs> they, maybe maybe there was some stuff and maybe I just missed it. But for a, for a primarily streaming slash uh, up-to-date internet person, I, I, I'm very surprised by the lack of this being shoved down my throat, you know? And, and I... For it, it's just still kind of odd the things that the league will prioritize versus not because there's there's a lot to be said for having a cool s- series like this. I mean the, the you know from the from the personal relations standpoint, we had the Sweden series with Blues that was pretty cool. We lost both games, but it was still pretty cool. It was a cool arena. You know, it was just it was neat to see like what the game looks like elsewhere and. Mm. Um, I guess if I'm if I'm making a request, it's to uh, make this thing make it so easy to watch this, right? Like do mm-hmm. everything in your power, like trip over yourselves, do uh, whatever you can, you know, you, like stream the games for free. You know, like the global series games are are always freer. Uh, you know, send send alerts that make me want to reconsider ever having a smartphone. <laughs> so there's sure. That. Sure, and I think uh, speaking of speaking of cool ideas, the Winter <laughs> Classic. I've been, I've been practicing my uh, my my John Keating transitions. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know if you got to hear uh, the latest Wim Radio. So uh, obviously, I'm I'm sure we have a lot of crossover between the Wim Radio listeners and and for sure listeners. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to the last episode, we recorded one a few days ago. And um, I forget exactly how it came up, but uh, Sarah, uh, a.k.a. Helmeroids, had a <clears throat> a question. Of, or we were talking about John Keating. Oh, I remember what it was. It was in the, uh, the mailbag. Somebody asked, who's your favorite and least favorite Fox Sports Detroit personality? <laughs> and now, and, I mean, neither no, none of the three of us wanted to just you know absolutely trash somebody cuz I, I don't i don't think that that's that's number 1 i don't think that's deserving but number 2 i just you know that's i, I don't really think that's very nice to do uh but, but Sarah and i had both talked about the uh the the John Keating introductions to the the uh um what do you call it like the the pregame show or the uh you know the intermission report um where and, and the yeah the example I had I think I made up where it would be like Patrick Line 
likes to play Fortnite. <laughs> it's been a fortnight <laughs> since the Red Wings have scored more than three goals. See, that's, you know, that's yeah. Pete. I got to be honest, that's probably the most authentic one you could have come up with. <laughs> yeah. One that had like the highest probability of existing. So, Oh, sure. Yeah, because yeah. it's always something that's in the news. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then on, on Twitter, uh, Sarah had I forget exactly how this came up, but she 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 basically was egging me on to do more. <laughs> and um <laughs> like she said something about uh big big D energy basically. And I forget what the uh I forget what the connection was, but I was like, I I could do that if you want, but <laughs> I don't know if you're gonna like it. And it was something like Um a lot of people are talking about big D E. Well, the Red Wings have their own big DE with the new Danny DeKaiser, Jonathan Erickson defensive pairing. <laughs> like, like that would be hilarious. Like, oh yeah. my god, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, so so I was basically saying like I both love it and hate it. Yeah. Um, because I, I it's one of those things I love to hate. I, I love to hate. I think. Um, so anyway, with the with the Winter Classic, obviously fans and and us have been kind of mocking this idea of we seem to have almost more outdoor games than indoor games. And every year the Blackhawks seem to be involved in one. And so we got to thinking with the, the global, with the global series, how could we take the winter classic slash stadium series idea and have them have these games be played in interesting environments? Like what are the most interesting places that we could have these outdoor games? And, and mind you, it is it is a bit of a um, usually when we're here at the we like to talk about things grounded in reality. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, we do realize that in in exploring the options and the what ifs of this, we do realize that there are some physical restraints because obviously it is a revenue driven league. So every location that we're about to brainstorm live for you may not be the best in terms of accommodating the maximum amount of live spectatorship, but uh, screw that. I, I, I don't want this to be a uh, just an idea thing where we're just thinking about if the owners can make money. I'm talking about this straight from a fan point. Where do I think would be a cool and unique place to watch a National Hockey League game? Yeah, so. sure. And, and, and like Jay said, like we have – a lot of times when we do a segment like this, we will sit down and prepare and make a list. And usually we'll, depending on if the element of surprise matters, sometimes we'll share the list with each other so we don't have repeats or something like that. Yeah. Or, you know, or, or maybe we'll do extras. You know, if we're going to talk about five each, we'll put seven or eight. So that way, if, if, if Jay has the same thing I do, then, then we won't repeat. But for this, this is entirely off our head. Uh, off the top of our head, Jay came up with this idea pretty much right before we started recording. So, um, I, I, I'm going to jump in with, with my first one, uh, which really does uh, accentuate what Jay just said about this might not be the best for um, for ratings or something, but it would be like one of the coolest ideas. And I think it would just be like Joe's Backyard. Just yeah. some random guy who has a lot of property. The NHL comes, they build a rink, they build a, an ice surface in his in his yard, and he can invite all his friends over. And then they play, and then two NHL teams show up and they play a game. It, it certainly would not be good for ratings. It certainly <laughs> might not be the best uh, for casting. But for those people, that would be a, an amazing experience, a one of a kind experience. And I think that would be fun 
I know that the NHL would never in a million years do it, but I think that would be kind of fun. It would be almost like a mystery Alaska vibe. Yeah, absolutely. I that's the exact thing that I thought of when you when you just said that because there's there's this. I guess one of my driving forces behind trying to uh, come up with this idea, or at least explore this idea, is that the intimacy of the game has diminished with the event of the modernization of stadium design. Um, this this is not something that's new. Scholars have talked about this for years and years and years. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe we found some stone tablets with uh, some cuneiform writing on yep. it that, uh, that, that discusses this very topic. Cuneiform. Ladies and gentlemen, Pete, the English teacher, has arrived. There you go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it, it is uh, something that I wish would come back to it. Um, I realize it's easier said than done. Um, before, stadiums like Chicago Stadium the odd in Buffalo, uh, even, even Joe Louis Arena and the Olympia. Um, these, these are places that were built with the event in mind, not so much the attendees comfort. Mm-hmm. And, um, we can obviously have our separate discussion about how, uh, losing that may have hampered the opening of a certain brand new arena in <laughs> a downtown metropolitan area, but, uh, somewhere, somewhere in the, uh, in the Southeast, <laughs> somewhere in the southeast region of a certain state shaped like a hand. Um, <laughs> so uh, with, with all of that in mind, uh, I, I came up with a goofy place to do it. I don't know if they'd be able to stretch out the ice to have it be regulation, but uh, regulation ice hasn't always been a problem or a come up or an obstacle for the league because, as you all know, the rink at Chicago Stadium was not regulation. It was, I think, like five or six feet shorter than most of the other rinks in the league. So uh, in terms of tradition and how the game has evolved, that's not exactly something that they are do or don'ts or do or die with. So I think the ice skating rink at Rockefeller Center would be a pretty cool place to, sure, have, absolutely. to, have, to have an outdoor game go on. I think that there – I'd like to think there's enough uh, spectator space uh, on there. But um, if I remember correctly, because I haven't been there in a while um, – that area is pretty exposed to all of the buildings around it. So uh, being able to just look out the window and looking down to Rockefeller Center and see, holy crap, there's Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid skating around. you know, and, and I just feel like the backdrop of the Rockefeller Golden Angel guy who like, he's diving for an Odell Beckham Jr. one-handed catch, but I think it's <laughs> the son he's carrying. I, I forget. It's basically the, the courtyard where Ken McAllister and his mom reunite, and I cry every time. Or... Or the opening of 30 Rock. Yes, correct. Um, hmm. Fun fact for everybody out there. I read this on the internet, and uh, I, I'm, I'm not laying claim to it. I'm just repeating the beautiful thing that I learned from the internet about this. Everybody watch the open to 30 Rock and imagine everybody's face is them reacting to farting. I, I, am, I am 100% serious about this. Take You, you can hit pause on this. I mean, we, rec- we recommend you don't because we know you love hearing our voice. But... Cue up the 30 Rock scene, uh, 30 Rock opening credits, and uh, if you look at their faces and you're just imagining them reacting to farts, it is hilarious. <laughs> it is hilarious. But yes, yeah, so 30 Rock is uh, my my, suge- my my first suggestion for an outdoor venue. I think I think that'd just be really cool. It would be a nightmare for transit. It would be a nightmare for you know you'd 
you have to do it on the least busy day in the city that never sleeps. So good luck finding whatever day that is. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that'd be really cool. Obviously, the Rangers would have to play there. I know I said Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid, but we're not exactly talking about a league that is fully aware of doing smart things. <laughs> so yeah. it, it would be then to be like, all right, we're going to play this home game in New York City. What team shall we have? Ah, yes, the, the good old New York rival, the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, and, and you know who used to play against the Penguins a lot? Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, yeah. What team did he play for? Well, he played for a couple. So, Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be Kings Penguins live from New York. Yeah. And, Kings uh, <laughs> Penguins next. <laughs> well, that's funny. Kings Penguins. King Penguins are a thing. Next. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking. Now that you said that, could you imagine um, uh, him him mixed with like John Keating? You know, like if you took if you took the things that Keating says, but you yep. but you did it in the the other voice, that would be un- unbelievable. Uh, all right, so um, I, I, I'm guessing we, we can probably do at least two two or three. Yeah. That's probably probably a good you, number. So you know, again, like you said, we we usually prepare this stuff and maybe make it breezier, but I feel like just letting this the spirit of of ideation possess us to come mm. up with some. You know that that's how we know what we're coming up with is gold because yeah. So. Yeah. Here's my mine is um on the top of a skyscraper in Dubai. Ooh. I, I'm not sure if our listeners have seen these. If not, like take a look. These are these are real things. There have been tennis matches played on the top of these giant buildings. Um a- again, it would not be a great viewing experience for fans in attendance, but I think this could be really cool in terms of presentation. Um you you never know what would happen. Like somebody somebody throws a check so hard that <laughs> like all the players would have to wear parachutes, yeah, or, <laughs> or have like a giant uh, a giant net around. Like yeah. you know how they have the um, the, the the netting so if the puck goes over the glass, they get the netting yeah. so if a player goes out of play, uh, they won't plummet to their certain death. But I, I I think this would be this would be pretty interesting. And plus you could you could have uh, Tom Cruise climb it during the game and that could be like a like a separate a separate uh visual spectacle i think that would be pretty cool so and here's brock besser skating up the boards checking on tom cruise yeah. the side of this building <laughs> and and as you know he he has no parachute he has no safety net uh he is just doing this because tom cruise is a little crazy sometimes so uh <laughs> uh okay so so that's that, that's my second one what do you what do you have for number two well, real quickly on yours, I actually think from a uh, broadcast uh, innovation a re- revolution standpoint, uh, having that on a roof of a building would actually flew up to have some of probably the coolest camera angles you could come up with. Because then you basic okay. So are we? I would assume that either by crane or by helicopter, the cameras would have to be mounted onto yeah. to cover this game. Uh, something about having a uh, an osprey. Just kind of like in hover mode, just kind of like doing this like really slow kind of 360 around during intermissions and then kind of just going back and forth up and down the ice. Um, I, I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, okay, so uh, we're all big fans of trying to make hockey work in places where it isn't necessarily um, a big yet, right? So sure. I, I, I was thinking about this next spot as um, 
kind of a like, hey, let's 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 see what happens. And uh, I know a bunch of other leagues have already done this too. Um, let's let's get let's play on a helicarrier, right? Let's play on a freaking. <laughs> I know I'm saying helicarrier, not aircraft carrier. I was just going to say, wait a second. Like, I wanted to, like, let the moment sit for so that everybody at home could heartily chuckle at the joke I just made because everything I say is hilarious. Uh, But, yes, an aircraft carrier, uh, you know, I think the last one that I actually watched was a Michigan State basketball game on there. But I think that would be pretty cool. Um, Again, that that would give you a a, a unique venue. uh, if I remember correctly, they were able to build ample stands and stuff. So, I, I guess from a from a viewer standpoint, all of these things would probably probably be manufactured and engineered to probably look as best as it can broadcast wise. Since obviously in person viewership is uh, kind of at a supreme. But uh, yeah, I think I think an aircraft carrier would be pretty cool. I would assume that would be like a Washington Flyers matchup, you know, because the because like Quantico and and a bunch of naval bases along the eastern seaboard there, just like. Well, it could also be West Coast. I mean, I was when I was in the Navy, I was stationed in Vigo. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... California teams. Yeah, I, I well, but it's perpetually heaven in San Diego. So I, I guess I'm just mm-hmm. curious as to whether or not people would want. <laughs> yeah. I could go watch this hockey game on a on this aircraft carrier. Or I could continue to live this blissful life that this blissful life that I lead in the beautiful city of San Diego. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> a taco on the street because it's seventy degrees all the time. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, as somebody who lived in San Diego for for six years, uh, you, you are not far off. <laughs> you are not. There, there's not too much hyperbole there. So, um, actually, actually, one of the things that was interesting about San Diego. And I had to get used to that because being in the Navy, we had to start work fairly early. And so first couple hours in the morning, it'd be like, you know, six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, maybe. And a lot of a lot of times in San Diego, it's foggy in the morning and then it clears up and then it's beautiful the rest of the day. But um, anyway, so uh, we're, we're going to do one more each and then uh, we're going to get to our uh, fantastic interview so the first one is, or the the first of the last two is me. <laughs> the first words time, are, wor- yeah. words are good. Words yeah. are good, Peter. Yeah. It's, uh, was it from Spaceballs? The first time for the last time. <laughs> At last we meet for the first time for the last time. <laughs> I see your Schwartz is as big as big mine. As mine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so mine is. Again, all three of mine have something in common that they are not going to be the best viewing experiences for the in-fan attendance, but they also they would all have some kind of uh, spectacle for the the viewing audience. And so my my last one will be uh, on a glacier. Oh, so um, I think we should take advantage of the fact that the that the glaciers are, are melting and breaking off because you know it's not like we can take them and super glue them back together. So since apparently, well, well not with that attitude, <laughs> apparently since humanity uh, just feels like rapidly accelerating towards uh, higher sea levels that will destroy entire civilizations. I mean, l- l- let's just go with it. So uh, glaciers are breaking off all the time. I'm sure we can find one that is, uh, big enough to have a rank on it, but not so big that you kind of lose sight of where you are. 
And I think I think that we should do that. And 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 it would be interesting because it would be a limited a limited series because. I don't know, five or ten years from now, who knows if we'll have glaciers left to do it on. Uh, so it could be like a reminder of, hey, remember yeah. we used to do that? And <laughs> and we're all we're all tweeting from underwater. And we're like, yeah, that was fun. That was fun. I remember that. Those were yeah. the days. Yeah, it's going to be fun tweeting with, uh, with Kevin Costner underwater with our... I remember those. I was in the above mutant. water days. <laughs> Some mutant fish kills hanging out with Chris, uh, with Kevin Costner. That, yeah, that's cool. Okay, so... Uh, my last idea is radical. Uh, I think it's a, um, I think it's something that's absolutely doable, and it would, uh, it would be something that's um, obviously a tremendous technological undertaking, and the the broadcast and presentation of of this uh, venue would be um, just highly ridiculous. But uh, I think it'd be great because again, airspace and uh, freeing yourself from the restrictions of an enclosed uh, building. I am proposing, Peter, the hockey barge. That's right, a full, fully armed and operational floating hockey rink that can hang out in different areas. Think about playing a, a floating hockey game in Chesapeake Bay. Mm. Think about playing a floating hockey game underneath the Golden Gate Bridge, mm. up underneath the Mackinac Bridge. Just a floating hockey fortress that will be covered from every single angle, both audio and visually. Um, think of a, a, a floating hockey game in the Hudson River. Okay, so these are... Oh, yeah, don't fall overboard there. Do not, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, technically, you could just skate out there. But, yeah, I was thinking, you know, just in bringing the game to absurd places. Because... Um, uh, what I've noticed, Peter, is a lot of the tongue-in-cheek sports video games that find on the Xbox Marketplace and, and the PlayStation Store, um, they exaggerate the physical location where these are happening. So for uh, reference, there's a um, game I play called Super Mega Baseball 2, which is the only Xbox version Xbox version for uh, of a decent baseball game because... PlayStation and their MLB The Show just basically ran every other studio out of town. Uh, but, like, the stadiums have these, like, exaggerated, like, building proportion. Or, like, like the buildings are literally almost looking like they're leaning over the, the field to give you this sure. like, kind of cartoonish sense. So I was thinking in that regard, it'd be really cool to try and do that with, you know, th- think of all the great landmarks. Like a floating barge with, like, the Statue of Liberty right in the background, right? Like, hmm. just come up with the most majestic views you know, because pretty much, you know, if I in the in my head, I'm like, gosh, you know, it'd be pretty cool to have like a hockey wallpaper, you know, with with like Cronwall Cronwalling somebody, but instead of giant row fans in the background, how about the majestic shores of Seattle, right? <laughs> <laughs> just like just something to kind of spice up the visual, like putting hockey in places that you never really expected it to. So, you know, that's yeah. So so hockey barge is a. Uh, is something yeah. that I think needs to happen, and um, I certainly would think would keep interest up. You know, ooh, where's it going to go today? Hey, look, it's you know, it's uh, it's on the it's on the River Thames. Hey, <laughs> we're going over, or we're going past London Bridge, and oh, Larkin on a breakaway, scores on Lundquist. You know, there's. <laughs> Yeah, imagine, I, I, imagine a Red Wing scoring on Lundquist. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that would be really cool. So, um, so yeah. So, what do you what do you think at home? Uh, send us some feedback or comments, or uh, or tweet at us. Uh, what are the places that we that we should have thought of that we didn't? 
Um, what did you think of our of our choices? And please be as over the top as we tried to be. Again, sure. if we had time and prepared, I think we would have come up with some more crazy places. Like I would have said, "Cool World" from the movie Cool World. <laughs> Let's have a hockey game there. <laughs> or, cool uh, whip. Yeah, cool whip. But cool uh, whip. yes. So uh, get 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 your uh, get your mind wheels turning and uh, shout at us with your unique and uh, dream all time dream places mm. to to see a National Hockey League game being played yeah, so so sp- speaking of mind wheels turning we have yeah. uh, we have we have probably one of our one of our more most most cerebral guests ever uh we have michael blake mccurdy uh that interview is going to be coming up in just a second uh so we hope you enjoy it and then when that's over we'll have a little bit more for you uh before we wrap up the episode <laughs> All right, so for our interview today, we have joining us, uh, we have Micah Blake McCurdy. You can find him on Twitter at Ineffective Math, although people who do follow him will know that his math is, is not ineffective. In fact, uh, that would probably be more, more my, my description of math. Uh, and and I, believe, I believe he's the first actual mathematician we've, that we've had on. Um, I've referred to myself as a mathematician, but I do think that Micah has probably forgotten more about math than I know. Uh, so, Micah, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's good. We just uh, we recorded the rest of the uh, we recorded the rest of the episode. We were gonna we were gonna talk about a topic, um, but then I thought that it would be best just to to save it for talking talking with you. So we'll get to that in just a second. I just want to make sure I mention uh, your site hockeyviz.com. Uh, you have a Patreon. We could talk about it. You know, maybe at the end when we wrap up, we can you know plug it. Um, but you know, Mike has a Patreon uh, that has been doing pretty well and um i i I think it's definitely worth uh contributing to because so many members of us in the hockey community use your your charts and your stats uh uh on your site so the the topic that jay and i were going to talk about originally in the the other section of our show is the uh the new announcement from the nhl uh that they are going to be teaming up with mgm for uh basically legalized betting uh but then they're also there's also a player tracking component that's going to be with that. And for many of us who do work in the in the hockey stats community, getting some type of player tracking information is has been something that we've always said is going to be helpful. But at the same time, there's definitely huge, huge trade-off potential. You know, there's definitely some some huge downsides that that could come out of it so since you're since you know a lot more about this stuff than i do um what are your thoughts about uh what they've said about player tracking what do you think that we could we could get from that and then what are what are the the potential downfalls so uh the first the first and most important thing i think to get out of the way is that we don't know exactly what we're going to get and (laughs) And we <laughs> really the NHL doesn't yeah, know like, what they're going to give us. Wow! <laughs> so I like I, I don't mean I don't mean merely to say that what's been said publicly has been unclear, although that is also true. But, <laughs> but but I've been I've been around long enough and have enough contacts within teams and within the league to to ask a few discreet questions. And of course, my eyes light up every time I hear talk about more more data and and. Everything that I can get from everybody I can talk to is is all over the map. You know, it's going to be, like, some people say it's going to be ready. Some people say drafts of it are already ready. Some people say it's going to be ready for the next year. I mean, Gary Batman said as much that it was going to be ready for next year in, his, in the public announcement with MGM the other day. Some people say it's years off. 
No one knows exactly who it is. Is it MLBAM who does some of their data now? Is it in-house like some of their data is in-house now? Is it no one? No one seems to know um, precisely how much is going to be released to the public. Some people say nothing, not ever. The NHPA will block it. Some people say the league will block it. Some people say some parts of it will be released to the public. It'll be aggregated like the NBA. There's no. So that's that's just for for starters. Is that we don't know how much we are actually going to get. I mean, my my extremely obvious preference is always to more, um, but but the immediate impact of getting more data is going to be more people saying ridiculous things, and hmm. probably probably silly false things mostly. <laughs> I mean, that's just you know if people are going to be like people have been throughout history, where. You know, there's going to be a lot of breathless nonsense along the lines of, oh, can you believe that Elias Pettersson skated faster than anybody else in the ice? <laughs> like, and, and, you know, oh, great. You know, and we're going we're gonna to learn a whole bunch of stuff. There's going to be a, a complete explosion in trivia. And I, I have a great fondness for trivia, so I'm not hmm. opposed to this. The, but it's not, you know, it's not exactly data. Hmm. And so there's going to be a long period of, of people like... In the short term, it's going to get worse in the kind of public outreach sense because a lot of people are going to say, wow, this is just junk. And because there's going to be a huge, huge amount of junk for, for some length of time, perhaps years, before we start to say, okay, this is, this is where we get something really, really good. Yeah. Especially because, you know, you want to talk about what's repeatable. You need, I mean, it's, it's cruel to say it, but you can be, you can look good for an entire year as a player and still not be good or vice versa. And so you need multiple years to really say much of anything. So one full year of tracking data is going to come out, and people are going to start publishing faux ret- retrospective, you know, what's the value of tracking data, and we're still not going to know for two years. Sure. Um, it sucks, but what can you do? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's cruel to have to, to have to work under that sort of condition, but it mm. can't be helped. Right. Now, assuming that, the 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 information that is available is let's say helpful um you know even if even if you know like you said i mean that's that's what i've heard from talking to people is that the the potential downside is that there's going to be so much information and so many ways that that could be misinterpreted which is you know pretty much what you were saying before um but let's say hypothetically that we we the public get access to helpful information right what do you think is is the most potentially helpful piece of information or you know data that we could get or i mean it might be more than one it might be like a group of things but if if everything goes the the best way possible what's what's something that we could get that could help people who are using this using the data correctly to take a a, a, either a small step forward or maybe even a big step forward with what we're able to analyze so probably we are going to get great information right off the hop. We're just also going to get it alongside useless information, and we're not going to know which is which for a long time. Okay. So that's so there's going to be some, I think there's a real upside there, where once we isolate what it is that's good, however many years it takes, we'll be like, aha, and then we can look at these things you know, back as, as far as we've had the data. Hmm. There's a handful of things of actual applications. My first um, idea about this is I think we're going to be able to make a big step forward in goalie evaluation almost right away. Hmm. where you know we'll be able to talk about about shots not just as single shots but as sequences of shots like as sequences of, of puck movements that lead to shots and so you'll say you know so the goalie was moving the way that he was moving because of the way that the puck moved 
And that's why he was in the position that he was. And so even though it looked like a shot that he should have saved, in fact, he had almost no chance, and vice versa. And now all of a sudden we might start to make some some real distinctions between goalies. The, using the sizes of, like, the sample sizes aren't going to go up. We're still going to have the same number of games that we've got to evaluate guys before we have to make decisions. Um, but I think that's going to get much, much better, especially that's puck tracking. And if we have player tracking, then we're also going to be able to quantify screens in a half-decent way. Mm-hmm. And so then... So and those are the two big things for being able to to know which goalies are good, as well as we're going to be able to take goalie evaluation past binaries of did you stop this puck, did you stop that puck, <laughs> into into things like you know these are the shots that were taken when you were on the ice. This is where you were when they were taken. Is this where we want you to be? Is this how we're adjusting? You know, if I was a goalie coach, I would be thinking this is tremendous because mm-hmm. I could say. You know, this is what I work on with practice. And then I can say, look, this is this is where you were. These five shots, you know, you didn't get beaten on these shots, but you still made a mistake. They still did the wrong thing. This is not what we were talking about in practice. And now you can you can really make that stuff stick. Hmm. Not to mention, of course, that some people are probably coaching their goalies all wrong. And then they'll be able to look at the stuff themselves and say, aha, I've been giving them the wrong instructions. Now I'm going to give them the right instructions. So that I think the goalie, you know, not that we need better goalies, but I think that's what we're going to, I mean, of course, goalies always want to be better. So I think there's going to be that angle to that. That's my my first idea. After mm-hmm. that, I think we're going to get some sort of idea about defensive structure where we can actually talk about, about all five players at once and not just talking about who's on the ice at a particular time. You know, you could say, well, these five people are on the ice, and so they have this pattern, you know, where this guy is in the wrong spot. Mm-hmm. And once you start making decisions like that, once you start making inferences like that, you can talk about defense not as a thing that flows from individual people who are getting scored on or, or allowing shots, but, but in terms of where they are on the ice and where they're supposed to be. Hmm. So offense, I think we, we know a fair bit about now, and that's going to be the, the gains for offensive uh, evaluation and, and ability are going to be smaller, I think, than, than for defense and goalies. Cool. So, Mike, let's say I... <laughs> If I was to say it, let, let's say I'm Gary Bettman, but then all of a sudden I feel the need to try and do a Gary Bettman impression, but I'm not going to do that. But let's <laughs> let's say I am Gary Bettman and I come to you and I'm like, okay, so we're going to start doing this player tracking thing. What's the first, like, where where would our priorities, like, what's the, in, in your mind, what is your wish list for, like, either a one, two, or th- one, two, or three things of, like, things that you know for a fact that would greatly help, like, in the in the immediacy? So it depends on exactly who you're helping. The you know if I'm Batman and I'm thinking to myself, you know, how can I, how can I raise revenues? How can I raise fan engagement? How can I raise the um, just press? Then I'm I'm thinking that I want something uh, simple and easy to understand and fun. Like uh, this is distance covered by players. This is how fast the puck goes. This is average speeds, heart you know, um, shot velocities really simple just this is what's going on on the ice only framed in a way that makes it really exciting with a you know a certain angle on on data and without too much detail in it Hmm. say you know there you go you know that guy shoots the puck really hard that guy skates really fast that guy is making really unusual passes something very kind of cheap and cheerful that but then you you get all of the stuff all of the new data that you're coming out with, you put it in front of people in a way that they like, that they get used to, 
that lays the foundation for, you know, putting it into serious ways into broadcasts in the future. There's like a PR angle there that isn't very broadly taken up by the league. You know, even what little we've got now, you know, every now and again you see like expected goals on a broadcast or or even like a shot map of mine or or just this is where the predators give up their shots from and stuff like that. You know, even that is uh, kind of treated with kid gloves right now. And I think if you you know, you have all this data and you want to pitch it to the public, I think you're going to need to spend some time doing some spade work to make sure that they like it before you say, oh, you know, like if you want to get to a stat like gravity like they have in the NBA, the or even like root efficiency sort of calculations like you see on baseball broadcasts. Now that's that's a few years off, and part of why is because of the way that the public approaches how they consume the quantitative parts of the game. You know, not to say analytics, you know, is a dirty word to some people. <laughs> so I would I would I would put that time in first as a league um, before I I worried too much about. Uh, I don't know, like advanced, if that's the word. You know, we joke about advanced stats, but we haven't mm. we haven't seen a stat that's advanced yet <laughs> at all. Hmm. So, you know, <laughs> no matter no matter how hard people like I work, like I haven't a lot of my work is difficult, but none of it is sophisticated. And and the work I admire from other people is also simple, not sophisticated. You know, hmm. there will be a time and place for sophisticated stats once we have that kind of data. Um, but it. But from the league's point of view, there'll be quite a stretch. I mean, one of the nice things about working in sports is that you know it's going to be around for years and years and years. You know, people have been playing baseball for 100 years easy. People have been playing cricket for double that. People have been, you know, largely unchanged. People have been watching hockey since the war. You know, there's no shortage of interest in sports. And so you have the kind of time to say, well, you know, this is going to take 10 years, but we're going to change the fan base. And you can, but it will take 10 years. Um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to follow up on that because I had a, uh, I, I, you know, a series of questions I prepared ahead of time. And I think that one of them really definitely ties into what you're just talking about with um, the way that information is prepared. Uh, but first of all, I, I, as you were talking, it reminded me that every time I see somebody say fancy stats, I always think that they're doing some type of sarcastic air quote eye rolling as they say the word fancy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just kind of I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but it always seems like that's the implication um, when I m- m- maybe it's just like the the environment that I see people use, you, you know, use that phrase, I guess. Um, so. Obviously, you're the type you're you're a person who takes great care in not only obviously acquiring the data, but then finding interesting ways uh, and, and efficient uh, to present the data visually. Obviously, I mean that's that's what your site is. Yeah, um, that's my thing. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I th- so I thought you would be a really good person to ask this next uh, this next question. So um, sometimes if I'm watching a a hockey game. Uh, for example, one of the things I hate that, that that's not tied to stats in any way, but one of the things I hate is when the the game is going on and they will cut to a, a like an interview that they're doing with you know maybe there's a uh, you know the parent of a player is is there and they start talking while play is stopped and then they continue that audio and they do a split screen but it's like I have I think I, I have a 65 inch television. And I can't tell what's happening in the actual <laughs> game part that I really want to care about. And so for me, that's like one of my big pet peeves, right? So what are your biggest pet peeves for how hockey is presented? And you can kind of go with that any way you want. 
Oh well, there's there's a few. I actually I'm I I mean I'm a nerd's nerd, but I have a real soft spot for parent interviews. And sure. in fact, one I'm, I'm trying to think of one time I saw that, and I was momentarily annoyed at how I couldn't see the the ice properly. Uh, and then they were talking to a mom, and then I don't remember who the player was, and then the kid scored. <laughs> and so the and so you got to see the mom, you know, dissolve yeah. in a puddle of tears. Oh, it was delightful. <laughs> but the but that's the one of my annoyances is is the like establish the run style nonsense that you get in hockey sometimes where you have people who are supposed to be experts who routinely mistake causes for effects and vice versa. Hmm. So when you see when you see people say things like, you know, oh the so and so are you know, they're really pushing to try to retake this lead. The you know, it's surprising that they're losing by two considering that they're out shooting the so and so's <laughs> by a factor of thirty four to twenty five. Hmm. You say, well, you know, on the one hand that differential is not that big and also the reason why they're out shooting them is because they're losing. Like the, you know, yeah. <laughs> like those kinds of basic things about how teams play differently because of the score and not vice versa, is you know, there's no literacy about that in in broadcasting circles, which is really frustrating. It could be lots and lots worse, you know. As as complaints go, that's reasonably minor, but but that's always one of my one of my annoyances. You know, you see it all the time too. You say, well, you know, when they when they score three or more goals, they win almost all the time. Well, that's because I mean that's the other way around. <laughs> like they won because they scored the three goals. Yeah. Uh, like so that that kind of getting things round backwards is always maddening to me. Hmm. Um, I think we've reached the part in the interview where I have to make my obligatory uh, mention that what I want visually to happen when all this player data tracking is like when Dorothy activates in Twister. You know, where like finally, like the like the pop cans finally put the things up, and you can finally see the telemetry data of the inside of a tornado. So I really hope you guys have that moment with with player tracking and all the data that like in in whatever form, be it slow or uh, massive in the amount of data you guys have. I just I just want you to have that moment where you're Philip Seymour Hoffman, just going like it's going, it's going, like, like you know, like just like galaxy brain level of knowledge has been bestowed upon us with. <laughs> with that happening um so so mike like i am i am i'm a graphic designer so naturally everything that you post uh, catches my eye with how to oh. and, and, and how things so um... sorry <laughs> no no it's fine well again we're talking about with the data we have what methods and what avenues are we taking and, and using to properly illustrate it in, in a way that is obviously um uh accurate but also the to be to be fun, to be digestible, and not just, you know, because there was, I think there was a joke I made, like, I, I made this, like, fake video, like, kind of hyping Microsoft Office, and I got to the part about Microsoft, and it was like, want, want to look at rows and rows of numbers? <laughs> and, 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 like, I said this joke, I'm like, gosh, somebody actually does want to do that, but not, mm. everybody, not everybody is like that. So, like, being able to recognize that data can be processed in 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 um, understood better with a, a, a you know a different type of presentation is uh, is is crucial and um, so I, I guess when when it comes to like let's say you're given like a specific set of data and then you're like okay so like I, I guess I'm interested in what your process is on how you decide like hey does this make more sense as a bar graph or does this make more sense as a you know, like, like, uh, I, uh, forgive me if I'm using just stupid person parlances, 
like stock market stuff with the line <laughs> up and down with, with wind pumps. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. How judge <laughs> what, what I'll, of... I'll let you in on a technical secret. Yeah. Those graphs are called line graphs. Oh, <laughs> this is a oh, this is the best day ever. I feel so much better about this. Oh my god, I'm I'm clipping and saving that that portion for for all of eternity. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if there, I mean, if it's just like you know, I don't. It doesn't matter if it's not you know too in depth, but I, I guess I'm just curious because I, I myself am a visual person, and I was and, and, I'm, and I'm excited. I actually get to make the joke now about like if everybody listening to this goes to uh, Micah's. Twitter page, and you look at his uh, avatar, uh, his profile picture. That's actually a uh, uh, a player tracking heat map for a Boston Bruins <laughs> New York Rangers team. So uh, it, it's it's very elegant. He he stripped off all of like what all the points and what all the in you know the, all the different intersection points mean, but um, it's it's great stuff. So, anyways, back to the actual question: How do you know which graph is 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 best for your? Um, for your information well you i mean the 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 short stupid answer is that you don't always know that that there's almost always you know people are occasionally quite doctrinaire about these things but but there's almost always a a, a much broader range of possibilities than than you might think at first it's much like if you're writing you know like you there's no best way to write a paragraph every now and again you know there are there are grammatical sins which you do, and you think to yourself, "Well, you know, that makes you look illiterate. Good for you." But, <laughs> but even you know, there's no. But even even like terrible, quote unquote, mistakes are can be genius in the hands of somebody who knows what they're doing. And so, you know, nothing is forbidden, but some things are mistaken. And so you you like try to work kind of within convention as much as you can. And the conventions there are are in some sense exactly parallel to literary conventions. So you, you know, you have this accumulated body of knowledge, both on the side of producers who make stuff, and also on the people who read things. That, you know, certain things are understood in certain ways, and so if you, you know, if you if you take a, a bar graph and you clip the y-axis so that it doesn't show zero, you're going to confuse a lot of people. And if you do the same thing with a line graph, it's not nearly as confusing. Hmm. And so if you want to. You know, zero may or may not be interesting to you, and if it is, you should better include it, and then maybe bar graphs are a go. And if it's not, then maybe you don't want to include it, and then line graphs are going to be what you want, because otherwise you risk doing this thing where you sort of do the equivalent of ending a bunch of sentences with prepositions. You know, is it wrong? Not exactly, you know, wrong is perhaps not the word for either thing, but it's, you know, confusing people. Like, if you're going to confuse your readers, you'd better have a good reason for it. You know, every now and again, I try to venture into something ambitious where I choose something very unusual for the purpose of being unusual. You know, I really want to like jolt people, make them, make them think in a weird way. And, and you can do that. I mean, you can do whatever you want, but you, you run the risk that people are going to, are going to say, well, that's dumb. And then just close the tab, go on to do whatever else, you know, (laughs) and that's, that's merely the price of, of doing something audacious. So you, but the, like how you actually build that up is, well, it's just like writing. Um, you just try stuff constantly, you know, huge amounts of this and that. And you just put this out and people say, wow, that sucks. And you go, okay, something else. And, <laughs> and, right. And every now and again, they say, wow, this is great. And sometimes they get the wrong idea and you think, okay, I'm going to file that away for when, when I want that other effect that I got. And, and like there, there's a real sort of experiential, just same as writers give advice to one another, just write a huge amount and read a huge amount and, and keep track. Right? Be careful as you do it instead of just 
just pumping stuff out willy nilly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, when it comes to ending sentences with a preposition, I mean, I think that is something up with which I will not put. <laughs> to quote the, uh, it's one of those things. I mean, is, is did Churchill really say that, or <laughs> he was a jerk? So maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, like, did he actually say it or not? Um, either way, either way, it's one. It's one of my favorite quotes. Um, so. Um, I, I think we're gonna we're, we're gonna each have like one more question, then we'll wrap it up. Uh, so um, we had uh, we, we had a question from one of our, our listeners slash readers um, from Rarapar, uh, and so I, I thought this was a pretty cool question. Right? So, um, what do you think conceptually is the best way to evaluate defensemen? Uh, and I'll read the rest of it. So um, you know, a combination Please. of huh? second. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, uh, a combination of possession. Prevention of high danger shots against wins above, you know, like wins, you know, war or, or gar or something like that. Is there one stat or a combination of stats that are readily available to more easily visualize the de- defenseman's impact on the game? Uh, I like so, so I like to avoid a handful of, of standards. Uh, I think plus minus is useless. I think um, points is is bad, um, not useless, but bad. The I think. I pay personally. I pay a lot of attention uh, to shot counts, specifically. But as you probably know, if anybody's seen my site, um, I'd like to look not just at, at counts, um, but at rates and rates from where. So, okay. the and I think the the high danger, low danger stuff is is tricky. On the one hand, you definitely want to be able to say, you know, some shots are more dangerous than others. But this tendency to say, well, you know, we only care about shots from certain places, and if you're outside of those places, you can take any number of shots. You know, this this attitude is is really bad, and I think generally <laughs> causes a great deal of grief to to players and to to um, to fans alike. And so I like to try to to avoid that by taking a, a I don't want to say holistic approach because that sounds anti-numerate. I want to say where I take an approach which includes the entire zone, where you say we're just going to weight all of these things according to roughly how often they go in so you know if you're allowing 10 shots from a place which has half the shooting percentage as one shot from a, a, a high danger spot you know that's clearly worse that's five times as bad when you yeah. when you add up how much worse the shots are, like how much more likely the shots are to turn into goals hmm. and so so i start with total shot rates you know how many hmm. shots divided by how long you're on the ice the, which is about as fancy as I get for for fancy stats is you know divide the number by the time <laughs> and and th- I start from that and then if you weight the shots according to how norm how likely they are to go in even in some very naive way you know how likely they are to go in on an average goalie from an average shooter you know without paying any attention to any of that stuff that we don't have data on then then even that gives you a great place to start you can say well you know he's he's allowing something that looks like it might turn into three and a half goals an hour. Well, an NHL average is 2.7 goals an hour, so that's pretty rough. Hmm. You know, and, and even even with that one starting point, you've got something to go on with. And then you can say, well, you know, what do you what is he putting up in terms of his impact on shots taken? And you say, well, it's the same again. You say, well, okay, then it's not so bad. And like and you you start to have a conversation along those lines where you can start with team shots against and of course you have to be careful because people play with certain other players you got to disentangle their impact from other players and which is which can actually be sophisticated but mm. but i start with total shot impact per hour and then i move on from there 
and add on other things. I think I, I approve of a lot of attempts to sort of do this quote-unquote all at once, like with um, Agar or War sort of stat. Um, I don't know any enough to, to say, you know, that's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Although I, I've seen a handful of approaches from a number of people I respect, and they, I think they're all decent. Um, but the, the trouble with War is not really what it tries to do, but that, but that people want more detail than that. So, of course, the good war models have all that detail in them, and so you might as well just get stuck into that detailed stuff ahead of time. Um, but I would start with shot densities and then move on to points after that. I think that's the the order. Hmm. Uh, I, uh, I think this is a good time to ask the JJ question, don't you think, Pete? Yeah, sure. I, I yeah, think that's yeah. a good wrap-up question, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, actually, in my opinion, Micah, you probably one of the sternly examples of this question could is probably the most relevant and the most active, which is so you like <laughs> hockey and then you've done this completely crazy thing called learning more about hockey <laughs> and, 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 and going above and beyond what, you know, the, the average fan would do in terms of learning and, and educating yourself about how the game is. And so after doing that thing, do you still like hockey or is it like how has your impression of the sport changed do you do you, do you regret what you've done do you, do you are you awake at night or or has this only grown your love for the game and uh and and you and you just like you just in in the words of uh of the talking heads you you just can't get enough <laughs> i sorry when you said the jj question i was momentarily worried you're going to ask me about jack johnson the... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, I'm, I'm glad answer... I away on that one. <laughs> the, the, the real answer to your question is, is a little bit of both. It's, it had, it's had a larger effect on my, on my ability to be a fan than I expected, but not exactly in the way, in the sort of methods that I expected. The, in particular, it's, it's kind of removed a lot of my fandom for particular teams to, mm. to do it as a job. And the, I, I pay so much attention to so many different teams. When I was younger, actually, I, paid, I, I was a fan of many, many teams before I kind of chose a team. More recently than that, I've been a Senators fan and, and slightly less a, a Canucks fan. The, but, the, but there's a lot less of that. That part of my like, fandom is definitely muted now that I'm doing it professionally. But, but in terms of pure enjoyment just for watching the sport, uh, I find it's, it's increased, if anything. Or it's... Hmm. You know, because I, you know, there were lots of things that I didn't appreciate in the sense that I didn't know how unusual they were. I didn't know how different they were. I didn't have the kinds of opportunities to see the game in the way that I do now. So, for instance, I had a job interview with a team um, not too long ago. Um, the interview itself is is not important. But what was interesting is that as part of it, the I got access to, to watch a, a game from a press box. And so the something like six floors up from from where I would normally get a ticket, a ticket I couldn't even afford to start with. You know, and all <laughs> of a sudden, you, you start watching the game totally differently. You know, you watch players move through neutral zone strategies, and then you think, ah, that's, you know, that's like what I saw in that article I read about such and mm. such, about how they use this neutral zone strategy. And, mm. and, and you start to read the game. Like, I mean, the opportunity, of course, is there only because I have this job professionally. But also, that, that material that I know from you know from reading all those articles and from writing some of them is is a professional thing 
you know, and now I enjoy different parts of the game that before had I been watching it on TV, drinking a beer with my friends, I've just been like, woohoo, zone entry, you know, <laughs> no, you know, and, and so the enjoyment is different, but it's, but it's not less in any sense. Mm. Um, it's also, you know, you, you can't be too, when you're a real fan of a team, you have a natural ability to hone in, to only really look at your guys, quote unquote, you know, every time. Every time you score, it's because your guys are so great. And every time you get scored <laughs> on, it's because your guys suck so bad. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's so, you know, only when a guy, like, falls down on the ice do you think, wow, their guy made a real mistake there. <laughs> but this, uh, so, I, don't think I've, I don't think I've ever had anybody most accurately describe what my impression of, of hockey was when I first started watching. That's like the, that was the exact, oh, that happened. That's not good. <laughs> well, and, and you, you, and so now... Like and and you you simplify your life by watching the game this way. It's not purely a fan angle. It's also a simplification angle, right? There's five people you pay attention to, and there's five other guys who wear different sweaters to keep them easy to identify. But when you <laughs> when you start watching when you start watching more and more hockey, the especially professionally, now you're not watching five guys at a time. You're watching ten guys at a time, and so you like there's a fundamental difference there where you're trying to catch all of what you can see at once. And so your attention is more diffuse. It's a little bit more, you kind of have to take a mental step back a little bit. And so that's what it feels like where you're just a little bit more. Sometimes you notice more, but also sometimes you feel a little bit less. Hmm. So I like it. I mean, it certainly pays my bills, which is incredibly satisfying, but <laughs> the, I mean, and, and having a job, which is centered almost entirely around my favorite hobby is is extremely gratifying, but it, it is definitely very very different, and you don't get that same you know euphoria and and dejection when your quote unquote team loses or wins. Sure, um, yeah, I, I I can definitely see that. I mean, I know just going from just being a fan to somebody who writes articles about detroit has changed the way i looked at the game and obviously you know it sounds like that's you know just kind of a continuation of that process uh to to kind of remove um you know fandom which you know can, can cloud your judgment like you said um all right so uh we're gonna we're gonna wrap up there but before the the very last thing i want to do is i want to give you a chance to uh you know, to tell our listeners about your uh your patreon for your website uh because it's it's I, I definitely think it's valuable. Um, I like I said, I know a lot of uh, websites, etc., rely on, on on the things that you do, and so I I'm glad that people are, are paying, uh, you know, pay, you know, pay, uh, helping you pay for that. Um, so like I said, the last thing uh, is, uh, you know, I wanted to give you a chance to uh, to, to tell our listeners why they should consider uh, contributing to uh, to help support what you do. Well, sure, thank you. So the. Um, my like stock and trade is a website that's been mentioned already called hockeyviz.com with a Z and, and there's lots and lots of stuff that's on there for free. So, uh, even if you're thinking to myself, I don't want to give this schmuck any money, you can go and you can take a look and, and huge sections of the website are free. Um, men, much of it is free if you wait a certain little while, but, um, but how I make most of my money from hockey is from people who subscribe to get access to the extra shiny, fancy parts of the website. And so if you if you just poke around for free, you can see where so-and-so takes his shots. But if you pay $5 a month, you can see where so-and-so and also so-and-so, where you get to specify the two names, where their team get their shots together. And so you can start to investigate chemistries. You can start to look at, at power play units. So you can see you know, if 
what is the Red Wings power play unit? Okay, it's this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And say, what does that look like? Well, what if I want to look at their second units? Okay, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And then you say, you know, and this is where they take their shots from. This is where they set up. So as much of the structures you can discern just from the shot locations, you can start to take a look at. So if you just want to, if you're just curious about sports, then there's not much there. But if you really want to ask some questions, then there's a lot of, of fascinating stuff there. And if you want something that's live and up to the date, then you can pay an extra $5 a month. It's quite cheap. I uh, I used to tell people, you know, it's no uh, it's no more expensive than coffee. But then I, you know, because most people spend more than that on coffee in a given week. But then I realized that it's very difficult to give the kind of benefit to the to the general public that coffee does. So, <laughs> but, it, but it is that cheap. And so um, so the the Patreon is is just the the way to handle people subscribing to the website. Um, but other than that, it's like a newspaper only where everything is brightly colored and about hockey. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so, uh, once again, uh, you can, you can obviously go to, to Micah's site at hockeybiz.com. You can follow him on Twitter at ineffective math. Um, so Micah, thank you so much for stopping by and taking some, some time out of your day to talk to us. No problem. It's a pleasure. Thank you. So yeah, uh, we, we really hope that you enjoyed that interview. Uh, Mike is a fantastic uh, person and uh, we hope to have him back on uh, sometime in the future. So we are going to, uh, we're going to do a little feature here uh, where just, it's kind of a public service for, for all of our listeners. We're going to talk about uh, suspensions. We're going to take a look at suspensions and check and see uh, what's, what's the latest status of some of these. All right. So, um, so here we go. Um, Nate Schmidt. Still suspended. Still suspended 20 games for PED. We just signed a big contract, so. Um, Austin Watson. Still suspended. Still suspended, but he had it uh, reduced by an arbitrator who is going to be the arbitrator who is going to rule on Tom Wilson. Wilson, your suspension <laughs> continues. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Wilson is still suspended. Um, Gary Bettman upheld it, and there's... Uh, uh, there's a lot we could say about that, <laughs> about the NHLPA's um, argument in, in, in that. Yes. Um, but by this point, you've you've already heard other people talk about that to death. So we're, we're just we're going to leave that for for right now. Um, Michael Matheson still suspended. That's incorrect. He is not still suspended. Oh, he was only suspended for two games. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. Now, uh, I, mean, I just I just got in the swing of things. It's really fun talking. <laughs> this the... is this is a tough one from Ottawa. Mark Borachewski. still suspended. <laughs> still suspended. <laughs> still suspended. What happens is he uh, he was suspended one game on the twenty fourth of October. He came back and the next game he had another hit where he was suspended for three more games. And so uh, the twenty nine. So. He, I, I believe he's still suspended, although by the time you listen to this, his suspension might be up. It's going to be uh, up around the time. Um, and then uh, Claude Lemieux's son, about to be suspended. <laughs> On the verge of suspension. <laughs> yeah, so he, uh, he had a really garbage hit uh, last night. Uh, so this would be a Friday night where he was skating by. I forget, I forget the player he was skating by. And he just... I don't know if he got him with a stick or his elbow, but he just clipped him in the head. And I mean, it was... It's clear what he was doing. Uh, he was ejected from the game. Uh, and a actually, afterwards, uh, Paul Maurice um, said that the officials made the right call. So, obviously, we know that uh, a coach is never going to take a player and just completely throw them under the bus. But at the same time, it was refreshing to hear him say that. Because 
I know we talked about this last time we talked about suspensions with um, a, a player like Gustav Nyquist. It would be ridiculous for somebody to say, oh, no, that was okay. I, I think the officials got it wrong. I mean, he yeah. he speared a player in the face. Yeah. Um. And and certainly you can talk about intention and things like that, but it would be just really strange for a coach to be like, oh yeah, no, that was okay. And so I think one <laughs> thing that, that bothers fans, uh, even though we do understand why they do it, like it, it's it's completely understandable, is when we see players and coaches stand up for garbage plays by by their teammates. Again, they have to. Like we get that. Um. Uh, but it it was nice to see Paul Maurice uh do that and. So before we wrap up, we just wanted to talk uh, really quickly about a couple really interesting things that are happening. Um, if you haven't watched the highlights of Elias Patterson from last night against... Um, uh, Ooh, sorry. We're talking uh, about the Colorado Avalanche. Damn it, that, that was Colorado it, Colorado yeah. Avalanche. <sighs> okay. Poor thing. Uh, so so uh, so Vancouver and Colorado they had a very high high paced high scoring game. I believe the final score was seventy two to seventy one, but <laughs> it, it was more like six to five or next. It was it was a very high scoring game. And Elias Pettersson had five points, and he drew the penalty that led to the game winning goal, and he had an assist on the game winning goal. Um, and and Jay, you've had a chance to watch highlights now. I have, and um, for the and I don't run into these people often. But when I do run into the people who are the big fans of those two to one, yeah, three two games that you know are really what purists want. This is the type of game that would make them have heart attacks because <laughs> this was a defense optional uh, blow for blow. You know, hey, just and let's see what happens. Hockey game and. Just from the highlights themselves, it's it's entertaining. There's, you know, when when we think about how far the league has come in terms of trying to increase either goal scoring or increase offense, you know, uh, goal tender pads, bigger, smaller goals, maybe will change size, uh, all this stuff in order to to change what what the on ice product is. Um, if it, this is another example in the uh, new NHL bucket to uh to add because this is um this is uh, i mean i mean seven six like those games like i mean i've my 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 team of choice has been on the receiving end of 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 high scoring games just not equally (laughs) equally high scoring games so to see like these you know these like these seven six finals and stuff it's like you know I, i like how it opens up the conversation of like so no one wanted to play defense or is it Teams are just so like it's just one of those nights where both teams are just so on that you can have such chemistry to create offense out of nowhere, and, I, and I'd like it to be that one because I, there's there's no like the goal isn't to win the game with the fewest goals possible, right? Like oh we we want to still be able to win the game, but we only need, like three or four goals. Like no, like if if one team figured something out and is running up the score, but you can figure something out and run it right back up in their face you do that. <laughs> and that's, that's what this was. And, you know, like you said, during our quick suspension update, you know, it was Matheson who, who did the, yeah. did it on him, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, for what was, you know, looked like it could be a potentially long-term injury for Pedersen to come back from. He has a 5.9, right? And, and this is a, just a phenomenon for him. You know, the kid's 20 yeah. years old. I'm sick and tired of learning the ages of these people. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, watching yeah. the highlights, I was like, you know, if 
maybe if every game had that type of intensity and goal scoring, maybe we're talking about yeah. a different, uh, you know, because Pete, you and I grew up in the golden age of the three twos and 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 the and the two nothings, just <laughs> just these ridiculous left wing left wing lock. Yeah, trap. yeah, exactly. It's like yeah. the second you get two goals, you just you just completely suffocate your 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 shut it down. Yep. It's like, all right, we got two goals in the first five minutes. Let's lock it up. Yeah. So it, it was <laughs> it was an interesting time. I mean, you know, as we're learning the game, we're like, wow. So now. Being a child of the era, watching these games where teams go up 2 nothing, and here I am thinking like, well, that's the game there, bud. Going to turn on some Brooklyn Nine-Nine to spend the rest of the night. Nothing else to think about. Uh, there's <laughs> Now it's like it's 2 nothing, and you're like, okay, how are they going to lose this lead? And how yeah, is the so, other team going <laughs> to figure it out? So, yeah. Yeah, so, so uh, like we were saying before, Elias Pettersson has, as, as, as we're recording this, he has nine goals. And 15, 15 points in nine games. So, is he going to score off as a rookie? Uh, probably not. <laughs> but um, you never know. You never know. He's uh, he's he's pretty amazing. And since you watched the highlights, I think the, the the most amazing part for me was the very long pass that he banked off of the end boards behind the goal. Oh yeah. And it was right, like it ended up being right on the stick of his. Uh, I forget. I, I know one of his passes was to Besser for for a breakaway, um, right in the beginning of the game. I, I don't know if this one was to Besser, but I know he, he banked. Basically, he, he it, it was it was a it looked like it was going to be a dumping, but basically what he did is he passed to a teammate off the end boards uh, from outside the zone. It was just ridiculous. So um, yeah, yeah, you know, and, and and it's not the first time he's done something like that where he's kind of had this incredible vision. So I think obviously it's early. He's played nine games. Um, there's no point in starting to compare him to, you know, is he, is he going to be as good as McDavid or Matthews? Is he going to be in that tier? I don't think there's any point in looking at that just yet. However, from what we've seen, it wouldn't be too surprising if he ends up being either, you know, maybe close to that type of a player uh, just because he's been so dominant lately. Like we'll have to see if their teams figure out how to stop him. Other than uh, wrestling moves, yeah, yeah. To, uh, Suplexes to, to, to take... aren't exactly in the playbook for yeah. things outside of the wrestling ring, but you know, obviously, when you're making fools out of people, it makes dudes get dude angry, and then they do stupid <laughs> dude things. So, at least, so... at least we're policing them for doing those stupid things. So, <laughs> what, what are we? Are, should we give Peterson like a made-up award right now, like a? Like a best performance after being after being smashed. <laughs> yeah, he yeah he could get the uh, the Thor Ragnarok award. Yes, yes, that, I like I like that. So the, the we we award this week's Ragnarok to 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 Mr. Peterson. That's uh, it's a hell of a performance. Uh, I would I'd love to see that. Um, obviously, mom from a lot of other players in the league, particularly those that wear red and white. Um, so uh, we'll. Uh, Oh, you see, that's right. I'm talking about my my big Kane fan. I'm, I'm, I'm t- talking about my big my big Calgary Flames fan. That's that's me. Those are the teams I want to do better. Though so is it is it really red that Calgary wears? Is it like a hot red? Is that what that's referred to as? Because it looks orange. To, it looks orange to my colorblind eyes. So sure, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do I do believe it is officially referred to as as super hot red. <laughs> uh. <laughs> super hot red for all of you. Uh, that '70s show, uh, people. That is not a reference. That is not a reference to uh, to Eric Foreman's father. We are talking about the issue of jersey color that the 
flames wear. So, Pete. All right. Yeah. Pete, I think that's is that our episode? I think that's our. Episode. It is. It is. I think. I think. I think it's good. So, um, hopefully, you enjoy listening to it. Um, once again, uh, if you want to uh, follow us, you can follow us on on the, the on the Twitter machine. So you can follow us. Uh, I am at P Flynn Hockey. Jay is at the Roar underscore twenty four. Our guest today, Micah, is at, at Ineffective Math. And um, you can follow our, our podcast, 200 Foot Pod. That's 200 FTPOD. If you go to tinyurl.com slash fursshirt, F E R S H I R T, you can get to our merchandise store and you can order yourself a, a shirt. Um, we will be sending Micah a shirt like we do for all our guests. So if you want to get a for sure, a, a for shirt, then there's two ways. Number one, you could be a guest on our show. And number two, <laughs> you can buy one yourself. So um, whatever makes the most sense for you, you can go do that. Uh, so thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time. Beautiful. For sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. For sure, for sure. For sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. For sure. For sure, sure, for sure. For sure. For sure, sure, for sure. For sure.